clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Go. Thank you. All right, friends. You did to say thank you, and you are welcome, Mr. Lapping. So, yes, I was really, really close to Friends Fortune last week. I'm, I'm incredibly upset about it. Um, so I went with the rushing side last week. I think, I'm, I think I'm on to something with the rushing. So I said five for the touchdowns last week. We're going to go rushing yards this week. I'm going to say there are going to be five-plus uh, 100-yard rushers this week in the NFL. Okay, I'm back. Hot diggity dog. You were so yep, quick. I didn't want to be convoluted this, this week like I was last week. You didn't want to pad everything so we didn't know what you were talking about? Yep. <laughs> well, you kept it short and simple. And I said and, go. And I respect that. Yeah, kept it I, nice and made short. me so happy. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm going to go in three, go. All right, everybody. So I'm going to stick on the running back train this week. Last week, I predicted that Saquon Barkley would have a huge breakout. He didn't quite get there. I think he's right on the verge, though, honestly. This week, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I kind of gave a shout-out to Derrick Henry. People know that I have, earlier on in his career, I banged my head about Derrick Henry and thought, you know, this guy, eh, overrated. Certainly has been proving me wrong as of as of late. I talked about the 41 carries, which is a lot of tread and a lot of wear on a running back. I think this week it's not going to matter. They're going divisional game. They need to put their foot on the throat of the Colts and put them in an 0-3 hole and go up against them in this division. The last time Derrick Henry played the Colts was on... Uh, I can't remember what week. I think it was week 12 or week 13 of last year, but he had almost 150 yards and a touchdown. I think he's going to go for 200-plus this week uh, total yards because, you know, he caught the football relatively well last week, and I think he's going to have 200-plus yards and a pair of scores to beat the Indianapolis Colts this week. Well, all right. There we have it. Welcome. To simultaneous catch. Simultaneous catch. That's beautiful. But Adam's sad because for a second week in a row, came down to Monday night. And you know what Zeke does? He scores two rushing touchdowns. 
95 rushing yards. To, for the, so Derrick Henry went over 100. He didn't go over 200. He did not. Alexander Alexander Madison went for 100. Peyton Barber, surprise, went for 100. Clyde Edwards-Alaire went for 100. And Zeke had 95. And then Joe Mixon and Alvin Kamara each had 90. So, uh, so oh, close. so close yet again on my prediction. You know, Ridiculous. that's still, still pretty <laughs> crushing it right there. I'm getting closer and closer every week. Welcome to the show, folks. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. And I'm Adam Starr. Adam squared here for the show today. That is Josh Lapping, and he always gets very close to his friend's fortune. So maybe not 200, but... I don't know if I got super cl- close. I mean, it was... Yeah, uh, he, he had a really good game. He had a pretty good game. He was pretty close to what he was last year. Set almost 150. Had almost 150 again. He think it clocked in at a total of 141 in total yardage. So not close to 200. But, okay. you know... It's still good to see him touting the rock pretty well, and then adding those couple catches is pretty good as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, crazy, crazy week in the NFL like it always is. There were upsets. There were um, obvious outcomes. There were confusing decisions. There were big performances all around. So... Uh, we're going to get right into it with some Rant Rave Recall. What you got for us today, pal? I am, you know, I feel like there are so many things that could be ranted about. There are so many things that could be raved about. I don't uh, feel too much things that could be recalled yet. I feel like we haven't been egregiously wrong yet in our early NFL season. So this, this is a hard one because I feel like, like I said, there is so much that we could celebrate uh, early on in the season. But I'm going to go with uh, the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys, okay. everybody? All you know, right. this this defense, we were talking about it when we were talking about the, the division and going between Washington's defense. And we are saying which which unit was going to step up, Dallas's defense or Washington's offense. And right now it looks like Washington's defense needs to do some stepping up as well. But who doesn't need to step yeah. up? The Dallas Cowboys. You know, I think they spent all offseason hearing it. They heard about historically bad defense. And, and it's not like those were padded arguments. That was just fact, right? So I think, you know, obviously they, they brought in new blood with, with Dan Quinn. And they brought in new blood with a draft class stacked with defensive talent. And it is starting to turn over because the issue last year, which was why it was kind of an enigma, was not talent. They had talent all over the field. It was just not being put together, not being utilized, not capitalizing, and not being their full potential. And I feel like this year they are really stepping into that. And that's so good to see. You know, people are still down on Jalen Smith, but Jalen Smith is just flying around the football now that he's back in a starter position. He's definitely answered the call. He is. Yes, he is. And it's good to see number nine flying around. He's one of my favorite linebackers in the league. So it's just good to see that. And they continue getting takeaways, still uh, leading the league since week. I forget exactly which week it was, but I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I think it might have been last week. Since like week 10, they are leading the league in takeaways. That continued last night. They were terrorizing Jalen Hurts. And it's just really good to see because this is going to be a tough football team to, to get past when they have that offense it's clicking they're finding that balance they are really pounding their rock with Zeke and with Tony Pollard now and not making all the pressure on Dak and that's good to see but again this is all about that defense it is coming together and they are not historically bad anymore so once again how about them Cowboys yeah and uh eight turnovers which is the most in the NFL right now and they're doing this while they're also missing 
some pieces as well so, uh, due to injury. Michael Parsons has obviously had to slide into sort of that defensive end role and been crushing it, if I do say so myself, from our PSU guy. And, I mean, uh, Diggs, a second-year player, is awesome. I mean, he, this team is flying all over the place. And you're right. I mean, we, we talked many times during the Dan Quinn era of the Falcons. And I, you were on this the almost the whole time since their Super Bowl appearance that you said Dan Quinn is an excellent defensive coordinator. He's not a head coach. And so the second he gets to slot back into that defensive coordinator positioning, he's crushing it. So, I mean, you you were on that... For, You've been on that for years, uh, so so I had to tip tip my cap so to you on that rude. one. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. I'm I know, sorry. No, I, I know, was... no, I know, I know. But it's just like, oh, Josh, like never believed in this guy, jerk. <laughs> Josh, you've been saying this guy sucks for ages, and you were right, kind of. Regardless, no, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, and I we you know we had talked a little bit earlier. You know, I expected it to be a much better game. Obviously, I did. Pick I was Philly. I was fairly I bummed. Think I think Philly, I will say this, I think Philly's a good team. I actually legitimately think that the Eagles are going to win a handful of games this, this year. I, I definitely can see 8-9, and 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. Well, that sounds weird to say. But I can genuinely see that for them this year because I love their front seven. Their offensive line is very solid, and they have weapons. I love Devonta Smith, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager. They have Goddard and Ertz and Sanders and... Gainwell. I mean, they have weapons all around Hurts. So I, I actually like this team. I think it says more about, I think that this win is more impressive than some people will give it credit for for the Cowboys because Philly is probably better than people give them credit for. So it'll be very fascinating. There's both where these teams go from here because Philly's got to play the Chiefs who are reeling at one and two and and can't stop anybody. And then Dallas has the upstart 3-0 Carolina Panthers who we will see in Palace Picks later. So it'll be fascinating. I am also going to rave, and I liked yours, but I'm going to see if you like that, if you like this. Let's go Kirk Cousins here. Raving about Kirk Cousins, the much maligned Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You notice how I steamrolled right by it? Even I didn't like it, you know? (laughs) Um, So Kirk Cousins... 30 of 38, 323 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. Kirk Cousins on the season, 74% completion percentage, 918 passing yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. Only been sacked five times. He's getting that ball out real quick to all of his different receivers. Uh, This Osborne kid kind of coming out of nowhere being a third receiver. Adam Thielen, we talked about many times. Is he going to continue his touchdown production? Yep. Is just continues to catch touchdowns. Uh, Justin Jefferson's in the fold. This uh, Conklin at tight end. We all thought Irv Smith was going to be a breakout, and then everybody added the trade over from the Jets. Chris Herndon, you know the guy that everybody's waiting to breakouts. But this Conklin kid's been awesome. But Jefferson nine catches, 118 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Conklin seven catches, 70 yards touchdown. Thielen six catches and a touchdown. It's just they they have he has weapons all over the field. I talked about Madison going over 100 yards. This. This Vikings team could is is two special like two big plays away from being three and zero right now. Th- this offense is special, and Kirk Cousins is at the helm of all of it. And Kirk never really gets any sort of accolades, right? We we talked about him. He took over for RG three with the injury, and then he was a starter in Washington for a while, and then he signed this big three year deal that was unprecedented, and then he negotiated himself it was all guaranteed and we're nearing the I think this is the last year of that three-year deal if I'm not mistaken or did I don't know if he 
extended. But I think it's the last year of his of his deal that he signed when he came over to Minnesota, and he's just been awesome for three straight weeks. He he knows where to go to the ball. He's got total command of this offense. The play action is deadly with Kirk Cousins, and I just want to give him a little bit of a shout out because Lord knows that the second there's a prime time game, everyone's going to be like Kirk Cousins stinks in prime time. But I think it's pretty awesome, and I do like that, Kirk. That one was better. <laughs> that that was better. Yeah, we, I mean, it's going to be you're, – you're not wrong. I came on after week one and kind of was down on the Vikings. The stats didn't look as good as right. the game actually was. Second right. second week, uh, it was a lot better. This week, it really came together, and you saw that. You know, Mike Zimmer came out and said it was the best offensive – game that they've had since he's been there i don't know if that is just you know him talking because he's happy about the performance of the team it very well could be true though because like you said that team operated just on all cylinders they did not have a lot of miscues on sunday against the seahawks Mm -hmm. and and it translated into a really good comeback win they were down to start the game and then they came back and just took it over and never looked back so yeah absolutely that is that is well deserved you know i can't believe we didn't take the the low-hanging fruit but i'm sure we'll talk about that later we will don't worry about it yes so let's get into news and notes and i'm just going to kick this off right away with why are the rookie quarterbacks so terrible to start the season i i legitimately i was going to put this in a i was going to put this in a cold read but i want to have a discussion about this with you and i because i legitimately am surprised by by not all of them but some of them right now i think if you had to pick the one that looks the best it's mac jones that's only because he has one victory and that's only because the victory is against another rookie quarterback in zach wilson i just i'm i'm really kind of confused about this i'm going to try to bring up their stats here in a second but i'm going to toss it to you to what do you think is going on with these quarterbacks yeah, no, that's that's a very fair question, and I think when you look at paper and you look at stats, they they are pretty darn bad. But I think you know, not to say that I don't want you to like pull up what these are because they're some pretty bad numbers. I mean, not compared to Peyton Manning's rookie season yet, where he threw like twenty five picks, but uh, there's certainly Jack Wilson has like what like nine or eight or something like that. I think. But, you know, I think it really – you have to dive deeper into this. And I think it's it's a really interesting conversation because I'm glad we're having it. But I just feel like none of these quarterbacks right now are being helped in so many ways. And so, I mean, if you want to, like, break them down one by one and talk about Lawrence and then we could talk about Wilson, then we could talk about Jones – yeah, we could do that. Let's you know, let's run through that real quick. So let's start let's start with the first overall pick, right? Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence's stats I kind of mentioned it in Cold Reads last week, but Trevor Lawrence's stats three games, he's 0 and 3, 54% completion percentage, five touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh that's a 6% interception rate, uh which isn't tops in the NFL because we're going to talk about who is a little bit later. Um and he's just kind of looked shaky I mean there are some plays where he'll make a throw and you say okay that's Trevor Lawrence you know what I mean but what concerns me about Trevor Lawrence and we'll get to this when we talk about the people is I think Trevor Lawrence has some good weapons James Robinson who broke records for undrafted rookie running backs last year they have LaVisca Chenault they have Marvin Jones they have Dietrich Tark who I don't like a lot but is still a talented player Uh, I mean like he has some weapons on this team I'm just very confused why he's struggling so much so i wouldn't say jacksonville because i agree with you all those names you just mentioned they are well up there i actually didn't know that you were down on shark i knew you were down on shark from a fantasy standpoint but i didn't know you were down on him as a player 
Um, but regardless, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess it's, it's right, mood. I, right. They do have He's a, a lot talented of good player. Weapons. They are, you know, they're bringing in the new Dan Arnold going to be Lawrence's new tight end. Dan the man. It's going to turn everything around. Not, not really just kidding. <laughs> Outside of the weapons, because I don't think it is an issue of the weapons. I think, and we talked about this last week. I think this is Urban Meyer and the coaching staff. I think last week okay. they showed some really good promise. They were running the rock with James Robinson, taking the pressure off of uh, Trevor Lawrence. And, and and maybe it's fair to say he deserves pressure. He was the number one overall pick. He was one of the most touted about revolutionary quarterback since since Andrew Luck and since Peyton Manning and he was going to be the for sure slam dunk thing and whatnot but I it's it's still I think it's too much they're asking him to do too much because I do agree with you there are times that you see you're like oh man that's it that he just put that ball on a rope and put it right where it needed to be and that's what you want to see but other times like this week in Carolina, or excuse me, against Arizona, they were up. They were up by nine points, and they were running the ball really well. And then they decided to get cute and do this flea flicker pass. And, you know, I think <laughs> as much as we love flea flickers, it's usually I so exciting. A, I feel like flea flickers are starting to, like, not work. <laughs> I feel like I've it was seen such a couple a bad that throw. Have, it was a bad throw. But I just feel like, you know, why are we getting cute? We're, like, running the ball really well. We're up. Why are we deciding you're, to, you're right. to do these things? I think Urban Meyer, both Urban Meyer, I, the, it's not just on, on the coaching staff. I think both Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence need to come out of college football and think that these things work because we know college is a lot more stylistic oftentimes than the NFL. And right, that would true. that would work then. But right now, you have James Robinson where you can ground and pound and, and do it up. And, and week one, we saw LaVisca Chenault eating – Granted, it was underneath, but take that anyways. It doesn't matter. What you need to do is just produce. It doesn't need to be fancy and stylistic, and you don't need to light the world on fire anymore, Trevor Lawrence. You need to win. And so I think they just yeah. need to come down and settle down, and I think that started happening, and then they got cute again. And so you yep. know, I think it's just they need to continue just settling down in Jacksonville, both didn't, of them. Didn't – didn't score until late in the second quarter. It was 13-7 to at halftime. Jacksonville was up, but Lawrence did finish the day 22 of 34, which isn't terrible, but not great for only 219 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. And it was a terrible throw on the on the flea flicker. You're absolutely right. So I don't, I don't know what's happening with Lawrence. It definitely could be a coaching thing. A lot of people are already joking, saying he's shoring up his resume to take the USC head coaching job. We'll see what happens, but... You you also a preview of it last you also a preview of it last week the I will come on the show and not be nice Adam and I will just go go to town on that so regardless let's move on to the to another the, these other rookie quarterbacks Mac Jones who you'd probably say has looked the best even though it hasn't looked great sixty seven percent completion percentage pretty good two touchdowns three picks um didn't have a very good game this past week though he had I think. All of his interceptions this week, he had two or three of them um, against the Saints, who just manhandled the Patriots. And one of my one of my favorite sports personalities is Bill Simmons. Uh, he has a podcast, the Bill Simmons Podcast. I listen to it every week, and he's a big Patriots fan. And he claims that two of the picks aren't his fault, and that he thinks that he thinks that. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Who's the uh, Josh McDaniels is overrated, which is I think weird. But regardless, Mac did thirty for fifty-one attempts, two hundred seventy yards, a touchdown, and three picks. Just not good. I mean, it just doesn't look good. It's weird. 
Yeah, no, again, I, I'll, I'll push back a little bit because this week, this past week against the Saints, it was not good. All of his interceptions did come. I do think one, not two, one was not his fault. One was off his receiver's hands, tipped up in the air right. and caught. Right. You know, I think you wipe away those interceptions because I feel like that's on the receiver, not the quarterback. For sure. For sure. Still, I made two, in my opinion, two pretty bad errant passes that were intercepted. But, you know... I think this is, I agree, Mac Jones has not looked great, but Mac Jones has looked pretty good. And I think he right now has been the best of these these quarterbacks. But that comes back to what I'm saying about what we're seeing here is I think he is in the best system. He has the most intelligent people around him. He may have maybe the most complete team as a whole, maybe not skill positions, but team as a whole around him. But Sunday was a key point as to right now the the Patriots' bread and butter is the ground game, and that was taken away. So when it's taken away, can Mac Jones step up to to produce and, and outshine that right now? He clearly didn't in week three. Will he be able to down the line? I think I've seen plenty of him in week one and two to say, yes, I do think that's there, but it was just over his head uh, in, in against the Saints. That's true. I, I definitely think that in terms of timing routes and quick passing, like he clearly mentally understands the game. It's just sometimes it looks bad. And I and there are times, I don't know, when he throws the ball deep, I know that this was talked about a lot, that he doesn't really have that that elite arm strength. There, like He throws his whole body into some deep throws, and it looks like it's so difficult for him to go down the field. It's like Chad Pennington trying to throw a deep ball sometimes. It's weird. Uh, what Chad we'll definitely Pennington see is great. the... <laughs> I love Chad Pennington, so, uh, but I mean, we'll see how, how it continues to go. But again, uh, rookie quarterback struggling. Uh, let's head to the most recent start, Justin Fields. Whew, what a what a tough game uh, for the season. He's forty percent completion percentage, no for touchdowns, <laughs> and, and an interception. And an interception uh, has taken eleven sacks, nine of them against Cleveland. We were both on this game thinking that it could be upset territory, yeah. but. 47 total yards on 42 plays for the Chicago Bears. 1.1 yards per play is the fewest by any team since 2004. Justin Fields netted, if you include the sack yardage that he took in this game, one pass yard. One pass yard, six for 20. I mean, is this a matter of just this Browns defense finally clicked in their ferocious pass rush with Clowney and Garrett and Owusu Koromoa and all those guys that they have and it was just Fields' first start and it just all kind of came together and it was bad or I think we... I think sort of kind of you know my <laughs> yeah Garrett was the player that uh, a few weeks ago I said was defensive player of the year and you know four and a half sacks in week three you know that's that's kind of stamping trying to get there for sure but you know honestly right. again this this was such a conundrum to me because i think and i i still go back to it we are talking all off season justin fields or trevor lawrence and i still feel like justin fields may be the most talented physically uh, of these quarterback prospects the things he can do on the ground at the air this again i think obviously you know like you said with with sack net yards and all that stuff it was it was awful but this, more so almost than anybody, I put on the coaching staff because I was so confused. You know, we we have, we tout Matt Nagy for being an offensive mind and and being creative, but it looks it it almost looks. And this is obviously facetious because it's not like an NFL team took a week off. But it looks like Matt right. Nagy didn't talk to Justin Fields all week long because Justin Fields is a smart kid. He I mean he came from a big school. 
He was obviously touted as as being one of those top quarterbacks, was productive and a leader, and it looked like he had no idea what was happening out there. And maybe it is rookie jitters. Maybe it was a ferocious pass rush because we know Cleveland has that. But it looks like Maggie did, Nagy, excuse me, did not put get him ready at all. And, you know, so we're talking about as a head coach, you, you you have like that ticket kind of, let me show you what I can do with this guy. Well, he did not do anything to stamp that ticket this week. Yeah, and I I will say this, and we don't have to spend too much time on this if you don't want to want to talk about Justin Fields, but I think they have to play him next week. I think legitimately they're playing the Lions, who are a little bit frisky, and they are in Powell's picks because I think it's a tough game to pick. But Matt Nagy, say what you want about him, has kind of owned Detroit in his years. I mean, Mitch Trubisky always throws three touchdowns against him, even though neither of us have you know, really hated Mitch Trubisky that much, but still. I think, again, and Fields was clear. They said he's healthy and he can play. I think that if you go to Nick Foles, we know what'll happen. He'll throw three touchdowns and no picks next week. And the following week, it'll be five interceptions. And we'll be like, what's going on with Nick Foles? If they go back to Dalton, it'll just kind of be like a uh, thing going on. I think that you can't put Justin Fields on the bench and let him sit with that all year. I just think that they would totally, totally ruin the kid. And then he has to sit there all year thinking, wow, I'm terrible. And I know that it's a tough sport. It's a tough world. You got to be mentally tough. But I just feel like you, you're you handed on a silver platter, a team that you can play with. And Justin Fields can have a day where he feels confident in his abilities again and hopefully have a pretty solid day. I think he has to play. So I'll say this, though. I, I don't disagree with you. I like what you're saying. Do you feel like that hasn't already kind of happened? I mean, obviously, Nagy, wrong or right, has been commit- committed to Andy Dalton for the entire time. It, but after he got injured last week, he said when Andy's ready to come back, he's coming back. Okay, that's all fine and good. But then to come out after this game, which obviously was really, really bad, and he's like, all three quarterbacks yeah. are on the table. It doesn't matter. Like He brought Nick Foles into the equation. So that's not even bringing right. the injury conversation in. He's saying, maybe I'm just not going to go with Justin Fields. Is that not already the same kind of doubt creeping in to, to the young quarterback? Yeah, I think so, but I think that more or less, I think that Nagy's trying to do the classic coach thing where he's saying, oh, you got to prepare for all three people, and then it won't matter anyway when it happens. But I legitimately just think I don't know prepare for all three people. Are we not prepared for what Nick Foles brings to the table? I know, I know. Or, or Andy Dalton, for that matter. Let's be real. I just, again, I think Nagy's trying to be clever, and it's not really working because... It's Matt Nagy. Um, sorry, this isn't the this isn't the dunk on Matt Nagy podcast. But yes, still. it is today. <laughs> dunk on Matt Nagy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so regardless, uh, I don't know. But last but not least in the rookie quarterback category, Zach Wilson, fifty five percent completion percentage, one percent higher than Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> two touchdowns and seven interceptions as well. He's been sacked fifteen times, a league high fifteen times. And it's just been bad. They couldn't do anything. I kept flipping back to the Denver game because I have some fantasy implications in that game. And I really like what that Denver team has done. Obviously, I picked them to to go to the playoffs this season. And I just, it was bad. Every time I saw Zach Wilson step back, he, a guy was either in his face or he was trying to run around. And then when he did have time, it just felt like there was no synchronicity between him and his receivers. It just, it's just, I feel bad for the guy. 
Yeah, Zach Wilson is, I think, a difficult case because I think I've been putting a lot of blame in this exercise on the coaching staff. I think the blame falls on both parties because I think this the the coaching staff element is that it's an extremely young and in my opinion inexperienced group i think matt lafleur or mike lafleur excuse me came over with robert sala to to kind of bring that san francisco offense with them right well right now it's not working because they don't have the running backs to do that and i think mike is just learning to be an offensive coordinator just as much as anybody is learning to do anything there because he was never the coordinator there he was an offensive assistant and so he's learning and grooming into that but it's just a recipe for disaster because you have that you have an offensive line that is not giving your young quarterback time and like you said in my opinion when he does get time he just looks confused and that in my opinion is where it falls on Zach Wilson because when he does have time I just don't think he's reading things right I think if a play you know one out of ten if it's perfectly scripted and everything goes right or wide receiver doesn't get jammed it gets open he has the talent to zip it in there and that does happen occasionally we saw it in week one eventually things start started kind of clicking together and they mounted a few points I don't want to say comeback because it wasn't a comeback but things started to go right but what about when it doesn't and we know in the NFL it doesn't often right now I don't think that mental aspect has 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 reached its where it needs to be and I think until it does it's going to be a rough year but like I said you know the kid you said it yourself is just getting pressured like heck we talked about it last week they're they're suffering suffering some injuries on that offensive line and I guarantee that New York wanted to run the football better than they have the first three weeks and right now right. it's just not it's right. just not it's not happening yeah, we'll certainly see where all these all these quarterbacks go. Let's do uh, this is just a mini cold read because I know we spent a lot of time on rookie quarterbacks. Out of the ones that we just mentioned, which one do you think by the end of the season we'll look at and say, okay, he's probably going to be the best one? Uh, just why after didn't we seat, talk about this... Davis Mills? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We Davis Mills looked Davis. decent. He did. He he definitely did. <laughs> which one do I think is going? You know, I. I really do believe in Trevor Lawrence, but I won't say that because okay. I feel like that's the easy pick because, like I said, it was Fair. a generational pick and the slam dunk and whatnot. I do think we are going to see plenty out of Justin Fields, whether or not okay. you know, he, yeah. he does get committed to this week, which I I don't know. I don't disagree with you. I think he, he should be out there if, if Dalton's not ready to go. I, yeah, I think he should be whether Dalton's ready to go or not. I don't. To me, it doesn't matter, but I do think we will see progression where eventually, and it could be, you know, a coach firing where everything kind of gets just stripped down, and maybe that'll be good. But I, I coming into the season, Justin Fields was one of my favorite quarterbacks, and I still believe that. Uh, I agree. Yep, we're both on the Justin Fields train. We both really like him. Think Chicago's a good fit for him. I just hope I hope we see him next week, and I hope he plays well. So let's get into some more news. Andy Reid had to. I didn't actually know this. Leave the game against the Chargers this Sunday for an illness, an injury, and was actually hospitalized. So, I mean, I didn't even know much about this. Did you? Uh, well, it, it, he he didn't leave during the game. It was after the game. So it wasn't oh, like okay, anybody was okay, talking about okay. it. It wasn't like the announcers in the booth were like, oh, man, Andy Reid is no longer on the field. It did happen after the game say, was I didn't, over. So. <laughs> okay, okay. See, I didn't know much about that either. I think uh, they're saying that He's okay, and he's going to be okay. But is this something that we're really concerned about? 
You know, I don't know if I would say. Obviously, you're always concerned when somebody is is hospitalized. I feel like you're never like, oh yeah, like that. That's a good thing. But I mean, I wouldn't say it's it's overly worth worrying about. Obviously, Reed is is a little bit up there. He's 63 years old. He's been coaching for freaking ever. So it's not like this is one of those uh, older gentlemen that took a couple years away after Philly and decided to come back. He's just rolled right into everything. I wouldn't say I'm overly worried. Uh, does it serve as a mini distraction heading into this week after the team dropped another one? Maybe so, but I'm not personally worried about Andy Reid, no. Okay, yeah, I'm not too much either. It's an interesting game to follow, like I said, uh, Philly. And wouldn't this be poetic justice? Andy Reid has a chance to become the very first coach in NFL history to win 100 games with two different franchises. So he obviously missed the last two opportunities after... Um, they won against Cleveland. They lost two straight. They're at, he's at 99, and he might be able to beat his own team to hit 100 wins with two different teams as NFL record. That would be pretty awesome. What if the Chiefs um, just lost these two games so he could do that? You know, there is a little bit of... I know there's some people who are... I know <laughs> the there NFL are some people who are... Conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy theorists out there that believe some of the NFL is rigged, and that would definitely be one of those moments that made me think... Uh, interesting. Uh, but that would be pretty cool. Uh, so let's do a quick. Uh, oh, this is not NFL.com. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about some some good news, kind of. Uh, Josh Gordon reinstated into the NFL, a guy that we've rooted for for a very long time. Who this has happened to multiple times. His story is that he was doing really really well last season. He was on track to play some more with with Seattle headed into the playoffs. And he says that he had a, a brief moment of weakness where he relapsed. And we both know that addiction is a very a very serious and difficult uh, mental ailment. And he's convinced apparently the NFL because he's been reinstated that it was a minor slip up and that he's good to go and he's ready to go. Uh, still not incredibly. Like, he's not young anymore, but he's still not incredibly old either, but he's going to join the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, if you are a wide receiver looking to revitalize your career, there's probably no place you'd rather go unless you're Juju Smith-Schuster who decided to go back to, do we, to Pittsburgh. <laughs> do, we, do we think that this is going to have an impact? Like, is he going to play? I mean, or is this just going to you know, is I this fall into the, cat, the category of feel-good story, just kind of follow? Yeah, I think it's probably more feel-good story than anything – he he was in Seattle for for a couple years and never really made a gigantic impact and that's that's not a bad place to go either with Russell Wilson throwing you the football. The last time I remember Josh Gordon doing much of anything was with back with the Patriots and that was what feels like I don't know three four years ago. So I it mean was, you're, yeah. you're right. The guy's only I believe thirty years old, so he he's not old and decrepit by any stretch of the imagination. But we'll see if. He, he will get elevated off the practice squad. I imagine that he will, and I imagine he'll make some plays. He'll catch a, a touchdown every couple of weeks or so, but I don't think this is going to be anything where we're seeing consistent, really good, I don't even want to say dominant performances out of Josh Gordon because I just don't think, I think, first of all, that is a, it's not the most loaded wide receiver in the room in the league whatsoever. Obviously, they, they could use somebody out there opposite Tyree Kill who has been slowed down so far in weeks two and three. And outside of Travis Kelsey, but I just, I just don't, I just don't see it happening. Fair enough, fair enough. And the last bit of news that I wanted to get to, um, we've kind of talked a little bit about other stuff. So there, this just 
did just happen. The Lions did just release linebacker Jamie Collins, 31 year old linebacker. He they were they were seeking a trade, but Jamie Collins, 31 years old, uh, 10 10 years in the NFL, uh, kind of a slow start this season, but he's still an impact player. I think uh, could be for a team. Uh, in his entire career, he does have 25 and a half sacks. Um, and I think that I think that he could be be a piece for a contending team. Didn't know if you had any thoughts about that, real quick. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree. This is just more signage uh, of the Dan Campbell rebuild and coming in there and having guys that fit exactly what he's trying to build. And I'm not even sure. I don't imagine that Collins didn't for for any kind of personal or attitude reasons or anything like that. I just think they're going with the youth movement right now. And they're they're seeing what they can do and what they can have out there. So Collins didn't necessarily fit. I agree with you. I think, you know, he's not the impact player that we saw in New England. And I don't think for a majority of the time in Detroit he really ever was. I mean, he did make some plays there. But I do think he's going to go somewhere and, and, and make a difference. I do think that. I I absolutely agree. There's some some places already rumored and we'll see which one of them he goes to all right before we get to week in the review let's do a little bit of crushing it crushing it yeah maybe we should just do that that's a we talked about that that's a that's a copyright issue anyway <laughs> my crushing it my crushing it is wide receiver brandon cooks brandon cooks who's been played on four different nfl teams uh he's traded i, I yeah he was traded three separate times I think all of them for first or second round picks and Brandon Cooks had another 100 yard performance against the Carolina Panthers we talked about not possibly not playing him against the Panthers because we weren't sure what Davis Mills would be like and obviously that we, we we ended up being okay when we get to fantasy corner to talk about that um highest scoring team in the league still with our running back issues, but he still did end up with with 11 targets, nine receptions, 112 yards, uh, and then one five-yard rush. Brandon Cooks is 28 years old, just turned 28 years old, by the way. He was born in 1993, the same year that we were. Brandon Cooks, (laughs) this stat stat blew my mind. Like, get ready for this. Brandon Cooks, at, at 28 years old, has more receptions than Calvin Johnson had, more receiving yards than Antonio Brown had, and more yards per target than Randy Moss at 28 years old. And this guy keeps bouncing around the league. Brandon Cooks is an absolutely sensational wide receiver. You and I have always lauded him. I, I, I This isn't against you and I. But I definitely think there are too many teams have given up on him and too many I shouldn't say given up on him but they because they've obviously got capital back from him but just moved on from him so quick he's been in the league eight seasons he came in when he was 21 years old this is his eighth year in the NFL and he's just always great and I really really hope that Cooks that either finds his way onto another team one that can be a contending team and get him get him some some play in some more playoff games because I I think he may have been with the Patriots when they went to a Super Bowl um or and he was and he was on the Rams I think as well when they lost but still I I want to see this guy in high profile games I don't want to see him stuck with the Houston Texans unless Texans turn it around in the next couple of years and he could be a part of that but Brandon Cooks you're always crushing it Brandon Cooks, good one. Well, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here. I'm going to go with our, our man, Do it. our opera man. Sing a, sing a little opera note for me right Ooh. now, Adam. Ave Maria. Is that, is that opera? 
Ave Maria? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Justin Tucker, <laughs> man. The new record holder for longest field goal in the NFL. And boy, did he need every inch of it. But spectacular. And came down to when he needed to. He is clutch as heck. He is 16 for 16 on field goal attempts in the final minute of a regulation game. And that's the most since 1983. You know, John Harbaugh came out and said he's the best kicker in history. And, you know, it... it, it might be, I don't want to say crazy to think about, but it can, when thinking about some of the really great kickers over the years, especially in the last couple of decades that we've seen, we've seen some really clutch kickers. But Justin Tucker, you know, we talked about him early on in his career. He was just the the best guy, number one. Nobody was better. And I feel like the last couple of years, we kind of, you know, started seeing Harrison Butker and we started seeing some other kickers that maybe the flashiness of Justin Tucker wore off a little bit. Some of that, you know, it was that really nice piece of jewelry that you bought. Started losing a little bit of its luster a little bit. So you put it in the drawer, didn't appreciate it for what it was. But it's come out and, you know, you polished it up and it, and it and it's right there because Justin Tucker is, in my opinion, just continues to be the best in the league. He showed it on Sunday how clutch he was coming out and doing that. And so, Justin Tucker, you are crushing it, my man, and much deserved to, to one of our favorite players in the league. I don't know if you meant to set me up like that, but we can review starts with Lions-Ravens, so let's get into that right away. Yeah, I audibly screamed and like I'm by myself and you know I haven't had that Bills moment of like actually screaming during a game it's only week three and I've calmed down quite a bit since my early (laughs) days of watching Buffalo Bills football but I audibly was watching and I said there's just no way right 66 yards and then it hit the thing and I was like oh and then it went over and they put the hands up I literally was like oh my goodness it was it was sensational um and i love that i texted you and i was like sing some opera for that one and at the same time in our uh league's fantasy chat you said the same thing i just it was awesome and i just loved in the press game in the post game press where he was like as soon as i hit it i knew i crushed it i just hoped that i had enough and it turns out i had exactly (laughs) enough so lamar jackson didn't have his best day but he did finish 16 of 31 287 a touchdown and a pick he also added 60 yards on the ground mark andrews is the big recipient of his passing yards with seven targets five for 109 the Lions side 22 of 30 was jared goff for 217 yards swift and williams who's been a pretty decent dynamic duo in the backfield for the for detroit each with a touchdown um yeah, I mean, this game shouldn't have been as close as it was, and yet it was. Yet again, the Detroit Lions chewing on kneecaps left and right this season. So I was shocked that it was so close near the end there. Baltimore was up uh, by by two possessions at, at a couple different points in the game, and it came down to the, the most incredible thing that nobody's talking about because of how sensational the field goal was, was the 4th and 19 or 4th and 20 that Lamar yeah. had to step up and complete to Sammy Watkins to even you know, give him a chance to do that at the end. And then there were some like clock issues too, because they completed the pass that got them to where they initially kicked the field goal and had like 17, 18 seconds left to possibly run up and run another play. And the time just ran down. They took the timeout and then they went out and kicked it, but they could have gotten them a couple extra yardage. Obviously it, it worked out just fine in the end, but this was a weird game. Yeah, you know, it was not perfect by either team. If you, you know, maybe Detroit's like, yeah, like, but it, it wasn't a perfect game. And I think everybody would admit that. Obviously, if you give up a fourth and 19, no one's like, that was so good. 
But again, right, you right. know, for for an zero and three team, Detroit is just feisty, and this feels like a different team than years past. I don't remember this kind of fight from them in, in quite some time because we've seen a couple games, week one, maybe not so much in week two, more so in the first half of week two. The second half wasn't so great, but then throughout this game, you know, I feel like they're they're really close. They just need to put a complete game together because, like you said, the first half they were down 10-0 to and then they were able to to claw their way back in. Once they put that full game together, they're going to be tough because this is a team, and I just, I'm I'm really glad to see the, (laughs) whether or not you want to call it the the bite off the kneecaps mentality or whatever you want to do, this Dan Campbell is just bringing fight and fire to the Detroit Lions, and it's, it's really good. It, it is good to see, like you said, some some miscues because I also believe there was an issue with the the play clock running out on one of Baltimore's where it should have been a flag and delay of game. They that didn't get called and that enabled them to to be able to go out and try to kick that field goal and whatnot. So you can you can always always point to to refs messing up games and in some ways that's true, but you never want to just come down to the officiating and whatnot. But I will say this: the Lions. Uh, allowed fewer than 20 points for the first time since week six of of last year so obviously their their defense clamped down on a pretty dynamic offense which is really good we'll see if that continues over maybe it was a fluke but this is a really good offense to do that on obviously one that was coming off a gigantic emotional filled win uh, over kansas city was feeling real hot about themselves maybe this is some humble soup for 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 baltimore there but I don't know. I, I, I like the fight that I see from these Detroit Lions. Yeah, and maybe it's a matter of expectations because they've been in a lot of close games the last couple of years, and maybe we just expected them with Matt Stafford to win more of those, and now we're not expecting them to win, and it seems like there's a lot more fight. But it definitely there's definitely a noticeable difference in this team. Their, their offense line is good. They can block. Jared Goff is a competent quarterback probably slightly above average they got two good running backs uh they got a, a, a hodgepodge of weapons tj hawkinson's a very good tight end and they do have some young pieces on the defense they're young and fast so this team is going to eventually upset some teams um i will say i'll be interested to see how many games they do win at the end if that kind of gets them out of running of actually drafting a young really really good piece you know, super high. Um, and if the Jets just walk into another top top couple of picks, we'll see what happens with that as we as we continue through the season. But the Detroit's gonna gonna cause some havoc for a lot of teams. Let's get into a week, the second game that we have on our weekend review: the Chargers Chiefs. Chargers upset the Chiefs, and this is one where so many things happened. Patrick Holmes did not have a great day. No, he did uh, not. Made, Another couple bad picks. The defense couldn't stop anybody yet again and turned out to be an instant classic. And then Tony Romo being super critical of Brandon Staley and the Chargers offense decision to throw the ball on the goal line for a touchdown when they could have just kind of knelt the the clock out, burned it and kicked the game winner through the touchdown, missed the extra point, ended up not mattering, of course, because Mahomes threw a pick. But how many times does that happen? This is another interesting game where you question maybe some of the decision or is it more of just score the darn touchdown and do your job yeah no it it, it's hard and we 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 see this year after year after year you know it's it's in hindsight right everything it it depends on what the the final result was and this time it it went in favor of the chargers and it it worked out and it was fine and good yeah i mean it's hard to say obviously it was a, a decision and it was made and it worked and obviously it could have come back to be disastrous, but it, uh, 
certain part of the team stepped up and was able to kind of negate that, those questions that had to be asked or answered or whatnot. So, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I mean, it is uh, tough. No, like, yeah. I, I, at the time, I agreed with Tony Romo. I thought, you know, we're, we're talking about the young man that we tout as, as Superman over there on the side with Pat Mahomes, and he played one of his most pedestrian games that I've seen, Pat Mahomes. And, and in a way, I think that's good. I, I don't want to see Pat Mahomes be Superman and be undefeatable every single time. It was good to see him, you know, throw that pick in clutch time and, and for it to be a different narrative. I think that's good. But usually history has shown that that's not what happens. So it, it was definitely dangerous. I get it. I get the yep. critical questions that come along with that. Only 260 passing yards, three touchdowns, but he also did throw two interceptions, including including the game clincher for them. Justin Herbert was Superman on Sunday, though. 26 of 38, 281 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. He was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Mike Williams with two touchdowns and 100 yards. Thank you, says Simultaneous Catch Fantasy Football Team. Uh, the Dolphins and the Raiders, instant classic, into overtime. <laughs> Wild game, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I was watching, I was kind of watching this and then I flicked it on cause it was the last game on and it was 25 to 17, I think, or, or something like that. Um, and then all of a sudden Brissett is, you know, driving down the field and, and I'm like, Oh wait, this like, can this go into overtime here? And I can't tell you the last time I saw the, the rare, let's run the ball on the goal line to catch them off guard when we don't have a timeout and the team has to rush to get a playoff and have it still work. But they rush to the line. Jacoby Brissett fakes out a guy, fakes out another one and dives into the end zone. And then they complete the two-point conversion to tie the game at 25. Obviously, didn't matter in the end as the Las Vegas Raiders are now 3-0 and after Derek Carr's 386 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. The MVP chance for Derek Carr probably coming in heavy. The last 3-0 start Las Vegas Raiders had when where they were the Oakland Raiders was in 2002 when they reached the Super Bowl with John Gruden. So the the Raiders, man, the Raiders are 3-0 and and I I mean I may eat crow a little bit for me because I was saying I wanted to be high on the Raiders and I wanted to to say that I thought they were going to be great and come out and and have this great start and and be a playoff contender but I just was concerned about their their line and their decisions in free agency but it's working they're 3-0 and man and they've beaten like I mean we we can talk about Miami if we want to a little bit I still think they're a good team uh, a tough defense at Brissett didn't turn the ball over at all and then they obviously beat the Ravens as well on Monday Monday night who we know is a pretty good team I mean this this game was crazy and the Raiders pulled it out yeah they did pull it out they're three and oh and that's really all that matters right now heading into week four of the NFL right I mean you're not going to complain about that ever right I do wonder some of the validity of of the Las Vegas Raiders still I mean like I said you're three and oh that's better than than both of my teams that I root for so <laughs> you know who am I <laughs> and obviously they're doing really well they have the highest the most total yards that they have ever had in their team history. So that offense is really grooving and working, but it, it kind of comes down to sort of a, a team in their own division that people are talking about the validity of the Denver Broncos. They're three and zero, but it's the caliber of competition that they're going up against. And you're right. The game on Monday night, week one was just hands down. The Raiders just fought and earned that one. But the other two games, we're talking about Pittsburgh and Miami here. We're, 
you know, maybe Pittsburgh is looking pretty cooked and for all instances. Yep. So, you know, is that really that impressive? Obviously, to go up against that defense, it's impressive. But to, to score, I don't remember what the, the end game was, but you basically, if you can score 21 points against Pittsburgh, it's looking like you're going to win. Um, mm-hmm. And then Miami with the backup quarterback. And so there was a lot of good things. Obviously, Miami's a feisty defense. I think their defense will keep them in some games. But I still get worried about their offensive line, which played better than it did against Buffalo, but still not super spectacular. You know, but with Jacoby Brissett, you're not going to, you can't be just having like 175 passing yards and like a game of football it's like dang what's happening through the football on 32 on 32 completions as well i will say this i haven't given up on miami quite yet uh as i did pick them we both picked them to make the playoffs i haven't given up on them quite yet but a recall could a recall could be happening in the next couple of weeks if they don't they don't get going another another tough game this weekend as well let's segue from that team doing pretty poorly and another team that's doing pretty well after their after their thrashing in the first week the Green Bay Packers in a vintage Aaron Rodgers game winning drive near the end with I think it was 37 seconds left in the game uh, down the field game winning field goal from Crosby Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had 257 yards two touchdowns and a pick Trey Sermon did have a touchdown rookie running back and then Aaron Rodgers 23 of 33 261 two touchdowns Aaron Jones a touchdown another guy that let me down on the rushing yards because he had 82 so it was kind of close but Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams 12 catches 132 yards and a touchdown this was an instant classic right this was Aaron Rodgers doing what Aaron Rodgers always does yeah, it, it was definitely exciting as a fan. I don't often wear fan apparel the next day, but definitely made me wear a Green Bay Packers t-shirt to work, which was, you know. It, love it, it was, love it. It was definitely exciting as a fan. You know, it seemed San Francisco has been a big bugaboo. I take last year out of it because last year was the anomaly with all the injuries and everything, and it should have been a game that Green Bay kind of walked in and, and took over, and they did. So take that one out. San Francisco's been a bugaboo for Green Bay for, for quite some time, going back to the Colin Kaepernick days. And so this is one that I definitely thought was going to slip through their hands once again. You know, they were leading the entire game until that final minute, down to 37 seconds, and then that's how long that lead lasted for San Francisco, which was really, really exciting. And obviously, you know, I this could easily be a, a crush in a game. You could shout out to Devontae Adams, who took a big hit to the chest. A lot of people think it was helmet-to-helmet, and I think there was helmet-to-helmet, but it wasn't the the velocity of the hit there so much as it was his chest. So everyone was freaking out about, why was Devontae Adams allowed to come back in the game with concussion protocols and everything? That It wasn't really so much head-to-head. People were like, he was knocked unconscious. And they were like, no, he wasn't. Everyone, that's not what happened. People like to make those <laughs> narratives whatnot to, to kind of be like, the NFL is evil and it's all rigged and, and et cetera. But that's not what happened, everybody. So even, you know, I, I do think the NFL, this is kind of a side note, is, is taking – head injuries very very seriously but everything was cleared from not only the team's doctors but the the unaffiliated doctors or whatnot so it, it was really clear I mean it was one play in a timeout and Adams was able to come back in and obviously that was vital in in making that win a reality so I think you know from a guy that had wind knocked at him really pretty severely and was down there on the field and uh, looked like he had to to come out to come out to come back after just a handful of seconds and, and make those impact plays, I think it's really important. And then one of my favorite parts after, after it was all said and done, when 
Aaron Rodgers ran up and spiked that final ball. His his fist pump there. He was so so into the game and his reaction after Mason Crosby kicked the field goal. This was a a guy that two weeks ago people were saying. He doesn't care. He's sabotaging the team from within. Even last week, Jermichael Finley, ex-Packers tight end, came out and said he doesn't see fire from Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't care about the game. You know, I think all of those rumors, talks, whatever you want to call them, were absolutely put to bed because that was a man that absolutely cared, laid everything out on the line, and it was really exciting to see. Can I just say, everybody, Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old, 38 years old has made millions upon millions of dollars in his career as a Super Bowl MVP. He's a three-time MVP. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be playing football if he didn't want to be playing football, okay? He's playing football for a guy that he allegedly said he would not play football for that needed to be fired before he came back. So if he didn't love football still and wasn't still very passionate about it the man would not be playing football okay he's also i don't i don't know if they're married yet but he's also engaged to uh, a big time hollywood actress who also is fine with money okay he doesn't need to play football he just loves it so can we get over that real quick thank you <laughs> um regardless yes it was pretty awesome to see it. so do you have any cold reads for us today my man I do have a cold read, and that's kind of why I stumbled so much at an earlier question. Stems off of this game, the the whole okay, controversy okay. about clock management and and pounding it in for a football and leaving that 37 seconds on the clock for Aaron Rodgers and whether or not Kyle Juszczyk should have gone down to the one and, and, and melted the clock. You know, so that's I was trying not to say too much because it, it, it essentially did happen in the Kansas City Chargers game. Not so much with those kind of consequences whatnot but we go back to week one and we saw dallas score and leave like a minute 30 for tom brady and, and the bucks and obviously came back to bite them and, and i know it's so hard and you your instincts are to score a touchdown and, and just to go up and you never i don't want to say you never do because i mean we've seen instances where players try to stop and not go in and todd Gurley last year falling into the end zone and it cost them and whatnot but just tell me about your thoughts on that and and i want you to go a little bit deeper just beyond the what i just said like you you played a score the touchdown and whatnot just to right break it down when for you me said and, and think about like what that means and do you do we really need to start changing our mindset of the game and not thinking about the stats and the scores and the things and thinking about true chess football right and i mean we we talk about that we flirt around this topic a lot with the whole analytics debate and i actually had a had a a rant slash rave that i was going to try to convince you to jump (laughs) over to the analytics side i had this whole thing prepared but i didn't do it anyway i'll pocket it for another day but you know there this nfl is littered with stories of this working and this not working i mean like you said the todd Gurley falling in there's the the one in the super, the second Giants Super Bowl where uh, Ahmad Bradshaw tries to go down and still falls into the end zone for the touchdown that ended up working. They ended up winning that game. Then there's uh, the big upset that Buffalo had over the Patriots uh, in I think it was week week three or week four that we were both undefeated and Ryan Fitzpatrick led this huge comeback and they hit Fred Jackson and he it looked like he dove into the end zone and he didn't and what they did anyway is kneel the clock and kick the game winning field goal to not let Tom Brady have it and then like you said there's endless times that Aaron Rodgers gets time left to, to score and then the opening night with Tom Brady getting enough time to score I really think that I think it's a case by case thing and I know that I know that the numbers would suggest, and the reality is, if you are able to burn the rest of the time and the timeouts and just kick the game winner, then 
you know, you can seal the seal the deal. But I will say this: I think it kind of more depends on, like I said, it's a case to case thing. Because if you're on the goal line, that feel like if you're gonna miss that kick, maybe you don't deserve to win anyway. <laughs> um, so maybe it's definitely the smarter thing to do. But I think. I think it as a fan, you want to see them score and the other team get a chance, right? This is the reason why the overtime rules were changed to allow field goal, field goal, and then I mean that, which also happened in the in the Miami Raiders game, which was super cool. They both kicked field goals and kept going, but I mean it's the reason that rule was changed because the fans were like, we want to see, you know, we want to see them get the ball back with a chance. You know what I mean? We, there was the whole Drew Brees never getting the chance or Aaron Rodgers doesn't get a chance. And then there was the Brett Favre, New Orleans Saints, NFC title game where it was like the other quarterback didn't really get a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. So, I mean, that, that's the reason why the rule has changed. So, I think that numbers-wise, yeah, you should probably burn the clock if you can burn the clock and the timeouts and do it so the other team doesn't get a chance, right? But as a fan, you don't want to see that. Yeah, no, as, as a much fan, as, it definitely creates <laughs> much more drama. You're absolutely correct. But I'm just as, thinking, I, as much as a, I understood. I, like, I remember. What, sorry. You're fine. I'm just saying as much as I understood Romo saying, I can't believe this happened. There was absolutely and maybe only a little bit because we have Mike Williams on our team. But there was a huge part <laughs> of me that smiled and said, no, I want to see this. I want to see the Chargers stand up and win this game. Yeah, it's it's. And even more so, I, that's interesting because that's going up. Of course, they missed the extra point, right, to make it not a touchdown. Right, game. But that is, that's right, a touchdown absolutely. Game where in San Francisco it, it was it was a it was a one point game, and I, I remember when Kyle Uzcheck caught that and was going down. I was like, guys, you need to let him in. Don't don't stop him at like the one you need. Right, and then right. Somebody met him at the one. I was like trying to. I was like, no, just let him get in the end zone because you need the time. And, and so you know, it's right. just one of those interesting. I, I will be really fascinated to see. And obviously, we've you you just detailed a, a really big handful of them. We've this is this is nothing new. But as the game continues to become more and more finesse, which it is, it's not as it's not as physical as it was 30 years ago, not even 10 years ago, in my opinion. If we start seeing more thought going into that as we get into these situations where it's like, it doesn't matter. We know what we need to do. Just do it this way. Right. I mean, the game has changed. The game has definitely changed. Like you said, it's a finesse game now. There's still obviously athleticism and physicality. And, oh, for sure. You know, there are teams like the 49ers and like the Ravens that still like to play smash mouth football. But even that, there's a finesse to it. They they play m much differently than your old-fashioned ground-and-pound mauler teams, but they're just doing a different style of it. So we'll see. We'll see as the – I'm always, and I say it every single time, a subject – of this type comes up, I always say the pendulum swings the other way. You know, once every single team is super finessey and doing all these things, it'll swing the other way and people will try the other thing. It's always a when you zig, we zag league because you're always doing moves and counter moves. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if I really answered that cold read, but it's a good discussion <laughs> to have. <laughs> I do want uh, to <laughs> say this about this game as well because it is interesting and kind of going back to you, you trying to convince me of the analytics and whatnot. And I don't, I don't know the analytics on this game. I don't, I don't know what anything said was supposed to be done or whatnot. But I thought it was really interesting. At one point near the goal line, the Packers finally tried to go for their redemption from the the championship game, and they went for it on on fourth and goal, and it didn't work. So the second time that they had this opportunity, it was after the fumble recovery. 
uh, in the fourth quarter when it looked like they could have iced, just totally iced the game, put it away, put the dagger in, right? And they decided to kick the field goal instead. And I remember the commentator saying, like, why did you go for it earlier, but you wouldn't go for it on this one? Well, see, I think this is the reason why. Because it, it made the game just need a field goal to win instead of having to drive down in 37 seconds to get a touchdown because that probably wouldn't have happened. So this is where, you know, like you say your odds go up to 100% if, if you convert this and score a touchdown. Well, that's all good and well, but that doesn't always happen. So give yourself more uh, probability of having a favorable game script later on. And I'm all for that. I will say this, you know, because I did my cold read earlier with the rookie quarterbacks and you gave me the perfect segue for this, I'll bring up some of the stuff that I have about the analytics discussion because we have some time before Pals picks. I will say this, that I was going to talk about the Carolina game where Carolina was up 14 to six in the fourth quarter um, and, and they had a fourth and one near the goal and they kicked the field goal instead of just going for, or, or they kicked the field goal instead of just going for the touchdown, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to go up 17 uh, six. It didn't matter in the end. Obviously, they ended up winning the game. But the whole analytics debate is that for one, the conversion rate on on fourth and two or less. There's actually a, a stat that says that basically, if it's on fourth and two or two or less, you should always go for it every single time because the because the expected points added is always better on just the attempt rather than kicking a field goal, right? Um, but the debate also here, and I saw it in a way that I've never seen it before. At that point in time, and I don't know what point in time that this field goal situation happened with Green Bay and San Francisco. I was very, very tired, so I was watching it, but I was kind of nodding off anyway. Um, but it was there was still plenty of time left, and the numbers suggest that the other team, in the case of the Carolina-Houston game, Houston, and in the case of your game, San Francisco, is going to get the ball more than one time, right? So they're at least going to get two more possessions. Now, if you do a field goal and they score a touchdown, then you're behind the, the eight ball. And if you end up going field goal and don't get another thing, then you're behind the eight ball. So if you know that the other team is going to get more possessions and it's not just they have one possession left, we're closing this out, they can't score more than eight points in a possession, we're winning the game. If you know the other team is more than likely to get those possessions, then you know that you have a better chance of scoring a touchdown if you just go for it every time anyway than just, oh, we're going to kick the field goal. Like you said, it worked out in the end, and that's fine. But I think it's more or less, if you have four attempts at the end zone, you're going to get it a certain number of times, right? And more often than not, more likely than not, the number of times you get it would offset the amount of points you could have gotten if you just kicked the field goal every time. Does that make sense? Kind of. <laughs> I did kind of just spit through that really quick. But I, basically what I'm saying is that when you have like multiple chances to do it, I EPA get it. The more just, chances that you have, the yeah. better odds you have of doing it. But again, right. I just feel like and I, I totally get I get that in theory. In theory, but that's all it is to me is in theory. And I get that it's like based on on years past and everything that's happened. And so like there is mathematical statistics that go into it. Right. But with that being said, I still don't think that totally makes sense to me because what is a fourth and two versus a third and two or a third and five if you line up for third and five that's saying that you're gonna get it no matter what but there's so many variables that can go wrong and that's why defense still matters there are still times that somebody jumps a gap and and pressures a quarterback and it's an errant throw that just hits the dirt 
I will say this. I will say this that it's obviously an ever evolving thing because every time somebody has you know fourth and goal from the one and does something that changes the analytics because it's added to the you know, model sometimes as it continues. And one and you know Dak what I mean? Dives in for um, a clear touchdown and it's not a touchdown. Oh my god! I can't believe they didn't do it. I can't believe they did that. But also, let did me throw go, this little. Did quick that make the analytics like was did did that favor like kicking the field goal? Did that like sway? No, he shouldn't. No, they, no, they shouldn't. <laughs> No, they were supposed to go for it. Oh yeah, no, I'm just uh, saying but he so, got it anyway. Like, with I, I agree, he did. But so oh, you're saying that because he didn't purposes, get it, what? it didn't oh, okay. get in. Did that mean right. that there are now some statistics slightly more in the favor of kicking the field goal? Because <laughs> I mean, yeah, but the slightly is probably point zero 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 one with how much data they have. I will say this though, and there's a quick one for you. So in theory, let's say your team is down 14 points and they score a touchdown. The, My team the advanced, touchdown? It, yeah, your team that's down 14 scores a touchdown. All the data suggests down eight before the extra point attempt happens that you should always go for two because the, this is this is saying every coach that faced the decision during the 2015 and 2016 season kicked the extra point every single time. Uh, but the analytics say you should go for two because let's say that you score two touchdowns and you kick two extra points and you go into overtime. The number of win percentage for teams when it goes into overtime is about 50-50, right? So if you do the conventional thing and you score two touchdowns, two extra points, you tie the game, you have about a 50% chance to win the game, okay? But if your team goes for two after that first touchdown and you get it, then when you score again, you could just kick the extra point and win the game, right? This is obviously suggesting saying that you got both of them. But even if you miss it, when again this is assuming you score both touchdowns you get it again you have the same scenario going for a two-point conversion this time just to tie the game to give you that same 50 percent chance you would have had anyway so it actually adds about 12.5 percent win probability so again this a lot of this stuff is heavy 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 numbers and can be kind of confusing if you're not really a numbers person but the reality is i think the basic line of of epa and advanced analytics is if you're as aggressive as you can be to a to a point right if it's fourth and 20 from your own you know 25 yard line and you're you're you know at a tie game at the end of the game of course you don't really want to go for that but in these scenarios where you have a high probability of conversion like a two-point conversion, which is from the one or two-yard line, you should always be aggressively pursuing that because it pushes your chances of of the highest output. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, again, in theory, that makes Regardless. complete sense. It's just, it's just. You're fine. <laughs> why doesn't the team that scored the first two touchdowns like? Why don't we just always go for two then? I think then you're people should always go 16. for two, but. You know, I think everybody should always go for two. It's two I think yards, it's, it's not that hard. I think I it's awesome. It's two yards. Why? Why can't you get? If you can't get two yards in the NFL, what are you doing? It's an <laughs> it's an offensive le- it's an offensive league. Nobody stops anybody when it's two yards unless they're really bad. You should just always go for it. <laughs> well, here we go. Regardless, everybody, the extra point no longer exists. <laughs> no longer exists. It'll be obsolete eventually anyway. Regardless, Let's that do was that cool. Whole, like one, two, three point thing. The one, two, three. Oh, I love that in the XFL. Don't get me started on that because I actually <laughs> love the. I I think that is a, a fantastic addition that the XFL did, and I hope it makes its way into the NFL. That was a lot of fun. It's like a nine point game, and you're not turning away. You're like, oh man, let's go. You can score nine points. It's awesome. 
<laughs> a lot of a lot of point uh, point total for careers would definitely records would be broken if that were the case. But regardless, now it Kickers is Madison. time for Pals Picks. Oh yeah, there's a nice vibrato on that one. Give them the numbers, stat keeper. There we go. So I faltered a little bit more, fell off. You know, I can't go can't go perfect every single weekend. So I only got one game correct last week. You got two of your three. So we are sitting, I'm sitting at four and five, and you are sitting at six and three. So we will go into this week. I am down by two, and we will see what happens. I will say this. I am no longer leading in our pick pool. Mr. AQ really long name which by the way is my cousin jd i found out he texted me about it later is up one game because i picked philly and he picked dallas so oh, there we go we, well, he is up one game in the pick pool so he did say he wants a color rush michael parsons jersey if it happens so all right we'll, well see what happens <laughs> everybody just get in line because i'm still waiting for my gray russell wilson jersey so It'll happen eventually, I promise. Regardless, mm-hmm. I get to pick the games first this week. And again, my you guys know my strategy. It's pick the games that I have the toughest time picking so I don't have to pick them. And then what happened was the next three games you gave me were the three other games I was considering. So this should be a lot of fun. First, let's start with those Dallas Cowboys coming off the huge Monday Night Football victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Carolina Panthers, the upstart surprise 3-0 Carolina Panthers are coming into town. Yeah, they are coming into town, Jerry World. They are going to be Sands, Christian McCaffrey, and I'm going to say what I started the show with, how about them Cowboys? Because like I said, I'm touting that defense. I think it's going to do a fairly good job clamping down. Carolina is going to be missing their first-round pick, J.C. Horn, who suffered multiple broken bones in his foot last week. So Carolina made a trade for another cornerback from Jacksonville. Do not expect him to be... I'm not even sure he's actually healthy. I don't expect him to be on the field, even if he was, though. I don't think he's quite ready yet, and I just think this is going to be too much for the Panthers to handle. I'm feeling really good about Dak at home. He had his homecoming last night. I think those good feelings roll in as they take on the Carolina Panthers, Sands, CMC. Definitely the first... I shouldn't say the first, because although the Saints' victory was impressive... They did face Saints without a lot of people and a lot of, obviously, the coaching staff as well. We'll see if that was an apparition because of that or if this team is legit. This should be a really, really tough test for both teams. I think both teams are good. You know, Let's I, I will to the say Lions. this before. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I will Even, even if Carolina goes down in this game, I don't think it's a question of validity. I think they are a very good team. I do think the the drumming of the Saints was was well deserved, but I get weary about what I saw for a couple minutes out of out of Davis Mills. I think there were times that he just moved the ball really well, and I think Dak's going to bring that experience. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have the turnovers that Jameis Winston did in, in that drumming, and I think those pieces are all going to come together to result in that win. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's head into the Detroit Lions, are headed to the Chicago Bears. To face who knows who starting at quarterback. You know, all the, three quarterbacks Bears. are on the table. And I don't know be, which one to prepare for because Matt Nagy said all three were on the table. So I'm just, Genius. I'm just flummoxed. I don't know what to do. 
but it's not going to matter because we're going to go in. And are you ready? We're going to bite some kneecaps in Chicago. Oh, man. I'm taking the Detroit Lions. I'm taking this hungry, Woo! scrappy Detroit Lions. I think they finally get on the in the win column there. I think, you know, like you were saying, Matt Nagy has owned the, the Lions as of late. Mitch Trubisky's always performed well, and we don't know who's going to be under center for the, the Bears come Sunday. I hope whoever is there does perform well because – you know, so much of football, I don't really care who wins and loses. I care that we see good football, and I just hate when we have a lopsided game because I think it's it's boring and sad and not fun. And I think the league is meant to be fun. And I get I can know, agree. Some people don't. Uh, some people don't agree. You know, like you're always like, I love to see great defenses, and it was really cool to see Miles Garrett get four and a half sacks and, and and start you know pounding the table for that defensive player of the year. But it just made me disappointed. Anyways. The upstart Lions, I think this is going to be be the week. I think, you know, like I said, every single game, weeks one, two, and three, have been something from the Lions, and they just need to put a complete game together. And I think this is the, the week that they finally get to do it. We saw the Bears, and they, they have a good defense, and, and they absolutely do. I love Roquan Smith and, and Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson there on the backfield, and they have some really great young corners that are really emerging. But they got ran all over by Cleveland, and we were talking about those complimentary pieces of Swift and Williams. I think they're going to just run the football, and I don't think TJ Hogginson's going to get locked down for two catches again for 10 yards, and he's such an important part. I'm going. I'm going to bite some kneecaps because I think the Lions are going to take okay. this one. I definitely – I feel like if Justin Fields starts, I actually would probably pick Chicago. I think that he can find some success moving around against this – this defense. Um, if anybody else starts, I'm pretty much with you on that one. I think that should be a fun game. Ooh. Last but not least, last week you said in Russ you trust and didn't quite work Did out for not work out. But now he gets to face the 49ers, and these are always fun games, man, when they, the NFC West teams play, especially are. with Seattle. <laughs> And if Seattle and the NFC West games, yes, it does. It does make some really memorable games. It always does. I don't know if we're gonna get. Excuse me, that super memorable NFC West game right here with Seattle versus the 49ers. I think both teams, obviously, I picked the 49ers to represent the West uh, when it was all said and done, but I do think they have some more holes than, than we're looking at right now that are maybe apparent. Uh, for for a two and one team, but Seattle does as well. Pete Carroll came out after after the loss of the Vikings and said one of our biggest issues is we're not putting any pressure on quarterbacks at all, and that that's pretty darn accurate. And they certainly need to start doing that. But I think that very well could happen against this 49ers team because Green Bay got to to Jimmy G fairly well with their pass rush, which is also not spectacular, and they were making life pretty quick and pretty miserable for a good chunk of the football game against this 49ers team. I'm going to say it one more time. It could come back to bite me. And if we do, maybe I'll, I'll jump <laughs> off of saying it, but I'm going to say for one more time, here we go this week, week four of the NFL in Russ. I trust. I don't see the Seahawks going down this far in the division this early and just becoming the doormat of the division, which they certainly would be if, if this happens because we're looking at two undefeated teams right now and then the 2-1 and one 49ers, and that would put them at 1-3. and three. I just don't see that happening. I think the team maybe still does have a bunch of holes, and it does, and maybe they're not the greatest contender. They're probably not going to go to the Super Bowl, but they have great veteran leadership in Russell Wilson. I'm going to lean on that here. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. take the, I, I take will the Seahawks. S- 
I will say this was my toughest game to pick. That's why I gave it to you. But I pretty much landed the same way. I do think Seattle wins. I will also say, though, you did ask me the question, what would be the surprise team? And it was Seattle that I said because I yeah. could see it falling apart. Yeah. And there are definitely some chinks in the armor, but oh, we'll see how sure. it goes. Just a quick recap. You do have Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys defending home turf against the Carolina Panthers? You have the Lions on the road chomping kneecaps left and right against the Chicago Bears. And whoever starts a quarterback there, it could be Jay Cutler. Who knows? And then the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> and Rusty Trust heading to the 49ers in a victory on the road. All right, head over to you, our, our defending champ so far and, and leader as of right now. First game I have for you on the docket is the Cleveland Brownies that we were just talking about walked in and made Justin Fields miserable, taking on that praise you were given for Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, this should be a really, really good game heading in this week. I mean, I the Vikings obviously lost their first two games on the road and that was tough but they could have been 2-0 and to start the season on the road which have been a very very impressive feat they are at home now with the Cleveland Browns coming into the town and I'm stalling a little bit because I don't know for sure who to pick uh, obviously Odell Beckham came back had a pretty solid debut 73 catch 73 catches wow amazing wow. uh <laughs> 73 receiving yards i want to pick the vikings in this game because of all the praise i gave to kirk cousins and i'm gonna pick the minnesota vikings what? here because of kirk cousins i think i think it'll be a I, <laughs> I think it'll be a close name i think it'll come down to wire i i just think that at this point in time and this could change and i definitely love baker mayfield i believe a little bit more in kirk cousins which i know a lot of people probably wouldn't say judging by how great baker was during the season last year and then he has had some legitimately very good moments to start this year as well and that defense does very much scare me but i like the vikings line way better than the than the bears and i like the experience of kirk cousins to get that ball out quick if it's needed i don't know the status of dalvin cook headed into this week but i know that very clearly alexander madison is up to task i'm going with the minnesota vikings here there we go i like it i like it a lot how about the baltimore ravens coming off that dramatic win with our opera singer versus the upstart 3-0 denver broncos yeah absolutely and if the ravens had if tucker misses that field goal and they lose i'm picking baltimore in a route but they didn't. They won the game. And they might be feeling a little bit more confident than they should. Taken down to the water against Detroit. I think the Broncos start 4-0. Oh, I love man. this Broncos. I love this Broncos team, and I know I I know they just lost another receiver, KJ Hamler for the year, our uh, PSU guy. It's really really tough, but Cortland Sutton has looked great. Uh, Tim Patrick seems to be a go-to guy for Bridgewater. Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, splitting that backfield. Noah Fant. They've got this defense in place. I know Sertan went down. They made a trade for CJ Henderson, a former first-round pick last year from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I still think this defense is great, led by Von Miller and all of those pieces. They Fangio in his. Would you just say, hang on a second? I'm stat guying you for a second. What? You say CJ Henderson went to Carolina. Oh, my bad. My bad. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Retract that. So they didn't lose anybody. They didn't lose anybody. They still got this great defense. Regardless, I really, really love their defense. I love Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Wheels, as we call him. Uh, he's been great. He doesn't turn the ball over. He makes the right decisions. He's been going down the field to his receivers when he when he finds the opening. And I I think this is going to be a really, really big game. And I think that we're we're not going to be questioning the Broncos anymore after after this week because they're going to take down the Ravens and we're going to be 
questioning how the Ravens had this huge upset against the Chiefs and, you know, faltered the next week. Sure, absolutely. You know, that that is that would definitely add some validity onto that Broncos record for sure. Let's go over. We're staying in the West here. The Raiders, Monday Night Football, taking on those upset Chargers. I am so excited for this game, and I am so excited for Peyton and Eli to talk about this game. I was a little hesitant on the whole Peyton and Eli broadcast, and it's now exclusively what I've watched the last two weeks. I think they're so much fun. Uh, I think that it's just cool to listen to them talk. I did learn a new rule uh, from them. Did you know that when you come out of halftime after the kick, if it's a touchback, you get to pick what hash you start on? I didn't. I didn't know that. Didn't know because it, it was the first. It was the first play. They came out and they chose the right hash. And he was like, "You can hear Jalen saying right now, right hash, right hash." So it's probably a rollout and pass to the left. And it was for a big first down. And he was like, "Yep, that's easy money right there." And I was like, "Oh, didn't know that rule. Pretty cool." So you get to learn some things. And Peyton and Eli get to be a lot of fun. Eli tried to do Dak's little twist thing. It was very comical. But that all being said, I think this is going to be the game of the week. I think this is going to be the most exciting game to cap off. Uh, week this is week four right yeah the cap off week four and i think that the oak the, the oakland raiders don't exist anymore so i can't <laughs> pick them i will pick the las vegas raiders in this one on oh. the road starting four and oh i love it this team you know, we were worried about weapons. We were worried about the line. The line looks great. Uh, we don't know about the health of Josh Jacobs. We hope he plays, especially for our fantasy team. Um, and then, you know, Kenyon Drake wasn't really anything. It was Peyton Barber. So now they've got three running backs in that backfield. And they've got weapons with Brian Edwards. And Henry Ruggs looks really great, you know, kind of confirming why Las Vegas went and made that pick a couple years back. Uh, I guess it was last year, but regardless. And Darren Waller, we thought he was going to be the only weapon, but he's not. Derek Carr's throwing it all over the place. This front seven is great with Carl Nassib, Max Crosby. I just love w the feel of this Raiders team, and I know that they have started fast in in years. Last year, I think they were 6-3 and three at one point, and it was super exciting, and they started 2-0 and the last couple of years. But this is the first time they started 3-0 and since two 2002. I was going to say 2002. But I legitimately believe in this Raiders team, and I like the Chargers. I know that I talked about them as a sleeper dark horse team, and they're still very good. But I think this Raiders team is very good as well. I think Derek Carr gets it done in prime time. I like to hear that. So recap real quick. You took the Minnesota Vikings over the Cleveland Browns, the Broncos at home over the visiting Ravens, and then the visiting Raiders over the Chargers. So there we have it. Go into that. I, I, I want to I wanna add a little flair here. Okay. I want to add a little oh, flair I love it. to oh, Kyle's I love it. pick. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you right now. Ooh. Get ready. So we made a bet last week, correct? We made we an egg bet. You we said did. the Atlanta Falcons, the Falcons. were going to string together four consecutive wins they they, they have one <laughs> managed to get one against the giants when they lost everybody on the field we didn't talk about an injury report but that game giants are going down left and right oh man so that yeah. is hard for for giants fans but i will i will being down two games i will give you an opportunity for you to earn two pals picks points whoa whoa if, whoa if you continue to have validity saying the falcons will beat the Washington football team or else you lose a pals pick point if you're wrong. Okay, so you're saying if I get it right, I gain two points, but if I get it wrong, you do or I lose points? You lose one. I don't get one. You lose one. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Yep. We're gonna, I, we're gonna I believe a, in my bet. 
I'm a double down on it. I legitimately think that. Listen, I I liked the Washington football team, but they I know that Buffalo's good. Trust me, they're my team. But their defense has continued to look bad, and I think that Atlanta's finding something on offense. I think that they're going to win this game. Oh, well, there we go. We are doubling down on the Atlanta Falcons. I will update the list here in a moment to show what all of that means. I'm going to get 20 texts once this episode posts. Adam, get off the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. So... We, we doubled down, and that is fun. Adam's belief in the Atlanta Falcons. So there we go. <laughs> and that was a pal's picks. But now, oh, man, this is becoming my favorite segment because we just get to pat ourselves on the back. It's Fantasy Corner. Fantasy Corner. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, so we are, we are doing well right now. We are the only, quote, undefeated team in the league. We have beat our opponent and the median every single week, so we are 6-0. and oh. No other team has done that thus far. We had Man, we're good. finally a, a showing from James Conner, which was really good. He punched in for two touchdowns, but then we also had our guy Tyson Williams have five carries, and we have no idea what oh, that was what all about. Oh, what in the world? So that was a big conundrum, but and, Frustrating. And no one ever says that you want to uh, root for injury or anything of the sort. That's right, you never hope for that. You never hope for that, but we, we did walk into something. I remember a quote from you last week is we need to hit on somebody in – waiver wires and that still i mean you always want to be hitting on your waiver wire picks and whatnot but thursday night football last week we might have walked into something good cmc went down and it's probably not going to be a long injury but in our trades that we were talking about last week we made all these trades we did get just thrown in there for funds and for for giggles and to keep things even and everything he the opposite tradey trader person threw in chuba hubbard so we now have him sitting there at our weakest position of running back so we very well could have him against those dallas cowboys yeah so, yeah man and we know and we know that we know that cmc will eventually return but they're like this could be something where if chuba hubbard's very good and carolina doesn't want to you know run cmc into the ground he could just become another part of the offense as well so we may have walked into something really good so we have, yeah, some decisions to make. Obviously, we might want to think about uh, retooling our running back room. We still have James Conner and Tyson Williams in its starting running backs. I haven't heard any news on Josh Jacobs as of yet, but obviously we are hoping that he will be there for Monday Night Football against the Chargers. And then Juju Smith-Schuster, we flexed him out, which did not work out for us. For Brandon Cooks, I think we put Cooks back in there pretty solidified, uh, I think, in the flex in my position, unless we're talking about a running back, which we could. But I like Brandon Cooks against Buffalo oh, man. because did it's you, a good match. Did you ever think we could flex a running back? <laughs> did not. Oh, my God. What are we talking about? I, still don't, I honestly don't know if we even want to, but I know it's a tough matchup against Buffalo. But I think because it? it's going to be so tough, he's going to have to chuck the ball, and I think he's just going to go to Cooks consistently. Sure. So I, I don't For think sure. it's going to be a good game flow but i think it's gonna be a good game script because of that fair so cooks in the slot and then we're talking about our running back so do we go with with jacobs and hubbard up there do we keep tyson williams do we trust them denver is obviously pretty good against the run what what are your thoughts on that i like having i i like having tyson i think that tyson will be valued heading down the line I think that as as long as Jacobs is healthy, and again, that's it's in question, but he does play Monday night, so this is something we'll have to monitor because we're not going to have another option for Monday night yeah. unless we went and tried to pick up Peyton Barber. But I think that if Jacobs is healthy, I definitely would do, go Chuba 
and Jacobs. That's what that's what I would choose to go with. And just because one, Denver does have a good defense, and just kind of wait wait and see on Tyson. You know what I mean? We we, we still want him. We still want to have him. Um, I, I agree with the Cooks thing. Um, as what Naheem Hines did score, but he's still behind, firmly behind Jonathan Taylor. So we'll see how that goes. I think another question is who do we look to pick up? Because are we finally, you know, going to drop Bell and kind of give up on that? Are we still holding on to that? And two, I don't know if I really want to hold on to the Pittsburgh defense much longer. I agree that it is time to move on from the Pittsburgh defense, not because I think they are bad, but just they have a pretty big uh, gauntlet coming up here. Obviously, Green Bay. I'm not super. And that offense is not putting them in great spots. The offense is. You're absolutely right. And with TJ Watt being out there, just it's it's a different team. And hopefully, he comes back. He's scheduled to practice this week. But I do agree, it is time to move on from the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So that means you pretty much just sub out a defense for a defense, right? I say we target new orleans who is still okay, a really like great that. defense and they're going up against the giants so mm-hmm. that, i like that. that i like that that's my number one pick right there so okay. more likely than not i mean do you just want to see whether or not we get them and then go from there or do you want to put in another waiver claim no i think that's probably the best thing to do um i don't hate a possible i know that we're strong at receiver but i don't hate putting in a claim for tim patrick i really like tim patrick a lot and then as much as, you know, maybe it was just a, a fluke, um, I don't hate putting in one for, for Peyton Barber. I mean, I we'll, we'll see what happens because it could be nice to say, you know what, we have Jacobs, and if Jacobs doesn't go, we have the backup. We can throw the backup right in there. Who knows if, uh, you know, who knows if Barber um, ends up being being the, the backup anyway and Kenya Drake could take over. Who knows? But it might still be nice to know that we have a piece of that offense. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, this is complicated. We are getting close to time, so I say we. Uh, those are definitely good names to think about and talk about. But let's talk about those off air, so we don't keep everybody waiting sure. here while we're like, eh, "What do we do?" So sure, yeah, we'll Absolutely. talk about that off air and let everybody know how we keep doing. But yep, six and zero oh, simultaneous catch, highest scoring team in the highest scoring team in the league, and we are just kind of scrambling at the running back position. But we're it seems like we are on the up and up. It does feel like uh, we're we're falling into some good things. So let's get to the friends' fortune before some tidbits, and we send the folks home. Let's do it. So I I I started last week. You get to start this week. All right, here we go. Three. All right, everybody. So we have friends' fortune. Oh wait, Adam. Actually, I need to ask you a question. Oh, okay. I'm gonna put yeah. a little bit of friends' fortune on you. Do we go friends' okay. fortune A, or do we go with friends' fortune B? Friends' fortune A. All right, friends' fortune A. That was the one I almost did before I realized that I had two. All right, love it. Friends' fortune A. So maybe this isn't super exciting, everybody, but we were talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I know we have a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans that listen to this show. And for you guys, I apologize. But this week against Green Bay, actually, let's go back to last week against Cincinnati. Big Ben looked absolutely cooked. There's a very funny meme going around right now of him just falling on his face after like a five-yard pass attempt. It was really, really funny, and I enjoyed it. I watched it a bunch of times, and it made me smile. I say, Big Ben, it's time to take a seat. I think Mike Tomlin, you know, he came out afterwards and said it's not time to push the panic button. And in Mike Tomlin, I very much trust. But I think after Green Bay, they're going to see that they're going to get down. I think I'm going to say Big Ben gets benched this week. And we see either Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph. I'm not quite sure. Technically, Mason Rudolph's number two on the depth chart. Don't know how much that means. But Big Ben getting benched. 
week four against the Green Bay Packers. All right, there we have it. All right, fantastic. I got mine locked and loaded. I'm going to go in three, two, one, go. So I have not been this confident in a Buffalo Bills weekly matchup in a very, very long time. And that being said, this probably means I'm going to be wrong about this because when I call my shot on on these big games for players and my team especially, it never seems to go well. But that'll make for a fun episode. So I've been honing in on it for two straight weeks. I went rushing touchdowns. I was one away. I went rushing guards. I was one away. Uh, we're just going to go a completely different direction here. So the Buffalo Bills are taking on the Houston Texans. They are a 16.5-point favorite. Vegas does not like the Texans of this game. I do think Brendan Cooks will have a pretty decent day. I think that a Buffalo Bills individual single-game record will go down in this game. Is it 273 yards from O.J. Simpson rushing? No. Is it six touchdown passes from Jim Kelly? No. It is going to be number of receptions. Andre Reid has this record. Uh, from November 20th, 1994, year after uh, Josh and I were born, he had 15 receptions. Now, last week, Cole Beasley came pretty close to that. I think out of either Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, or Emmanuel Sanders, who has become another favorite target of Josh Allen, I know he likes to spread the ball bound. I don't like the secondary for the Houston Texans. I think one of those three receivers breaks this the single-game reception record for the Buffalo Bills this week. All right. Call my shot on another thing that's going to be wrong. There we have it. <laughs> All right. I do have a couple of fun tidbits. I got I got to weave in some of them here or there, but I, I have some fun things. So I am still confident of the Falcons, but I was not on Sunday when they were in the fourth corner uh, needing to come back to win that game because they have been outscored 38 to nothing in the fourth quarter this season. Definitely got to hone in on that if they're going to finish out this winning streak. The Los Angeles Rams continue their streak of winning 39-0 and when leading at halftime under Sean McVay, which is the second longest streak of all time. They are now 40-0 and when leading at halftime under Sean McVay. The Washington football team since the start of 2018 is 11 and 5 when Alex Smith is starting. They're 7 and 29 in all other games. So, maybe it was just a calm and steady presence under center for for the Washington football team, but they are floundering coming out of the gate starting this season. Josh Allen had his fifth career regular season game with 300 passing yards and four plus touchdowns. It it breaks a tie with Jim Kelly for a Buffalo Bills record and I have one more little tidbit Dallas did snap a seven game primetime losing streak with of course finishing eight turnovers most in the NFL to start the NFL season and that's all I got for tidbits my friend those are all pretty good everybody we didn't talk about uh you know the gauntlet game of the of the week maybe it's not that much of a gauntlet but tom brady's returning to gillette stadium <laughs> to take on bill belichick coming home everybody the story will definitely be there until the end of the first quarter when the bucks are up by 21 so <laughs> say that, that i hope it's a good that was my i hope it's a good fortune, game so you know wait was it really <laughs> my other friend's fortune is the patriots have not been have, have not given up 50 plus points since like the 1970s i was gonna say oh it's goodness gonna happen on sunday night football Ooh, that would be a lot of fun well we'll see what happens i'll put that in my sunday seven which i i was five points away for winning 100 bucks this week so you win maybe that maybe maybe again? i'll have a, i did win another 90 cents <laughs> um so maybe i'm honing on something maybe one of these weeks i'll win big money maybe when the bills play on sunday night the following week who knows uh thanks for listening to simultaneous simultaneous 
Simon Debnett, everybody. Um, my name is Adam Jeffrey Rossi. That is Josh Lapping. He speaks more clear than I do. Follow us on Instagram. Check the run your pool. That's all I got. Anything else, bud? Have a great night, everybody. God bless.